Boston throws it down. Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up three pointer. Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four for four! Welcome to the NBA! The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. of Coast to Coast. We're just a week after the trade deadline. Have another disappointing Celtics loss to talk about. Well, that's all That's all coming up in a second. Before all that, Ronan, what's going on, my man? Good to see you again. Hey, you too. I mean, oh, man, we got, a, we, got a, we got a whole lot of dreary stuff we could be talking about. We'll, 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 do, we'll do our best to, to keep things positive on Coast to Coast this week and stay away from all the uh, all the downside uh, that we could be talking about with, uh, with, uh, with some of the teams around the league. Yeah, a lot of a lot of negative news, but let's you're right. Let's let's stay positive. We're going into the weekend. What better way to take us into the weekend than to talk some Luka magic, talk about Luka Doncic. So we will we'll quickly gloss over the fact that uh, his latest success last night came at the hands of uh, the ailing Boston Celtics. But man, what another tremendous night from Luka Doncic. I mean, you look you look at the boss scores um, over the course of the year and, and who's the guy who's constantly putting up. 30 points, five assists, five rebounds. He's always there, always producing. Um, and against the Celtics, maybe not a, a huge success, but, you know, they were ready for him. They, they threw Marcus Smart on him, and despite that, I mean, he had a tremendous game. And last that game, actually, he had a career-high 73% shooting from the field. He's really kicking it up here in March, and he's, you know, we mentioned him beginning of the season, MVP. Maybe he's uh, starting to get into form here. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, to whenever anytime anyone tries to question this guy, I'm just like, there's just so much upside. Why do you have to even attempt to to pick out the tiny little flaw in the game in his game that to try and, and talk him down? I mean, the guy is just he's been unbelievable. And obviously, when we all watched the last dance, we got that little sense from Jordan about how when anyone challenged him, he always stepped up. And that's something that I'm kind of seeing with the three-point shot. I mean, to begin the season, he was really struggling. I think he was averaging, first 20 games, he was averaging about just below seven attempts a game, shooting at 29%. Since then, so basically since the start of February, he's upped his attempts. He's, he's now shooting at about nine, nine threes a game, and now he's shooting a career high of 43%. So, I mean... He's been challenged a big... That was kind of the only real flaw anyone could pick out in his offensive game. And he's worked on it. And now he's shooting at a very respectable percentage and something that if he can stick with it, it'll be huge for him moving forward. I mean, this is something that we've talked about. It's been talked about throughout the league that he's one of those guys that if he can consistently hit that three-point shot, and especially the way he does it, you know, 
the way he does it in this Harden-esque way, he sets himself up off of that, off of his dribble. And he's now doing it like, like 33, 34 feet, like the, the same kind of weapon that Dame has unleashed on the league, which is this super, super absurdly high pick and roll. Doncic is doing it now. And, you know, Doncic is doing this with the team that honestly, I think we were maybe a little too optimistic on at the beginning of the year, but for him to be orchestrating the pick and roll that high, it's just, it's unstoppable. When it's going, it's it's unstoppable. And I mean, that that dagger he hit just right in Kemba Walker's face from like 34 feet out. It's things like that in his third season. It's it, it still shocks me. Like maybe we shouldn't be surprised, but it's it's unbelievable. And that progression you're talking about every single month getting better. I mean, in December alone, I mean, he's in, in his first four games, he's shooting 9.5% from three. And then everyone's freaking out like, oh, look at this regression. And then in January, he's tough too. He's at like 33%. And, you know, I think he was out of shape. He definitely didn't look like he had the same uh, endurance that he had the year before, but he's been the sole reason right now that the Mavs are in it right now. He has he has to have some level of mention. If we're going to talk about guys like Dame, he has to have some potential to make a late push for MVP here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's in a great position to, to, to do it as well. Cause I mean, Dallas have got one of the more favorable schedules heading towards the, the end of the season. I think they only face, I think nine teams that have a winning record and only six of those games are coming up with teams that have a better record than them. So as long as Luca can avoid injury, I mean, he's going to have a great chance to lead this Dallas team forward and maybe even make a push to get them up maybe into the, f- the fifth or sixth seed, especially if the Lakers continue to, to drop off the way they're going at the moment without their, uh, without their main stars. So I think a lot of people are kind of wanting to just give Jokic the MVP award and maybe Doncic hasn't been as good as we all expected even though he's still now averaging 29, 8, and 9, shooting just below 50 from the field, shooting just below 40 from three, and yet we expected more. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with us? <laughs> well, I think, well, what we expected is him right now across the whole season. I mean, for, for if, if March, and, and I think if you kind of average out his, his March and February, this isn't some anomaly. This is how he should be playing. I mean, a player who's averaging 31 points a game on 62% efficiency. Like that's, that's, that's the kind of MVP Luca we expected. And, and I think, you know, he keeps it up. Those average will come up. Those wins will get there. And, you know, if, if like you're saying, if it's all about wins, if Luca continues to push the, the Mavericks further up the standings, I mean, it's, it's not impossible that he, he can have an outside shot, but right now, I mean, it's definitely it's Jokic's to lose. He he's leading in like basically every single advanced stat. I mean, he's taking the league by storm every single game. And while the Nuggets around him are are definitely um, improving, I mean, I mean, I guess between the two, you could. And this is what I wanted to talk about too for a little bit. Like, you compare the team around Jokic. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. He's had his ups and downs, but I mean, he's been fantastic offensively. Murray is starting to look like um, himself finally. And now that he has Aaron Gordon, um, 
he's definitely got a core around him that's made to make a deep playoff run, made to, to even argue to contend. But the Mavericks right now, I mean, KP wasn't even playing any meaningful minutes in that stretch against Boston. He played two minutes in the fourth quarter against Boston. Um, could they, they didn't have him out there because Boston was playing small. I mean, which is, you know, when you talk about it basketball-wise, it makes sense. But for their second, quote-unquote, star to not play any meaningful minutes in the fourth quarter, um, that's kind of just becoming a very, like, just it's a pattern. It's a pattern that I don't think bodes well in terms of KP's time in Dallas and Luca having a true running mate to compete with. Yeah, I'm just uh, when I was watching, I was watching that game. I'm just wondering whether or not he picked up some sort of injury, just because he had been protecting the rim actually quite well throughout the game, and when he was off, that's when Boston kind of made the the pushes that they did. They were able to attack the rim and they were able to get in fairly easily. But when he was on the court, they were really struggling. So. I have it in my head that they that he must have picked up some sort of knock or they were just afraid to play him because I mean that's just the thing it, it, it's so tough to commit to playing him in long minutes because you're just worried that he's going to pick up another injury and unfortunately that's the risk you run with a guy with his size he's just so susceptible to, to injuries uh, and when you get one it kind of usually leads to more and more like something that we sort of saw with uh, with Yao Ming when he was playing in the NBA just that the size that they are they're just that bit more susceptible to to little minor niggles and it's kind of escalating to that so yeah it is it is tough for him but luckily for the Mavs they've had guys like uh, Brunson and uh, and Tim Hardaway off the bench who have just been who've been awesome this year yeah that's 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 it though, right? Like Brunson and Hardaway, for them to be headlining the the better players on on this team, um, I, I'm I'm worried in the short term in in terms of how they're going to be able to compete if they end up being in the play in tournament. Hmm. I'm not, especially. I mean, look at it right now. It if if it were to play it out right now, you'd have Dame, you'd have, um, I mean, the Spurs right now are, are playing really well. I mean, and if you project out i'm i'm not confident that the lakers won't be in the play tournament the, the, the way the way i'm looking at it, I, I think there's a very strong possibility they sink down to the playing tournament and if you if you have a mix of of you know if steph if steph curry and the warriors push up further i mean john morant and the grizzlies dame you know if, if zion continues to, to push the pelicans i mean they've had some success of late like there's there are going to be some serious talents. I mean, the West is so loaded that that's going to be a really tough uh, playing tournament. And man, that's, this is like the coolest thing that the NBA has come out with. Like, I love the, the comp- competition that's going to come out of this playing tournament. That's really going to decide um, a lot for these teams that are hanging on to a playoff spot. Yeah, definitely. And just for anyone who is not a hundred percent aware of what's going on in the playing tournament, it's kind of going to be the, the seventh to 10th seed, uh, the, in the uh, in both conferences, they're going to match up. So it'll be the seventh seed and the eighth seed will play, and the winner of that gets the seventh seed. Seed nine versus seed ten play, and the winner of that will travel to the loser of the seven eight seed game to see who gets the yeah. final spot in in uh, in the playoffs. 
and in both conferences, it, it's 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 making things really really interesting. That the amount of teams just just battling to avoid having to go through that before going into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, the Western Conference, it's totally anxiety-inducing. Like, you do not want to be facing any of these teams. Um, I mean, even if you're the Lakers. I mean, if like, like I said, how interesting would it be if LeBron decides to to wait it all the way out until the play-in tournament and so he just doesn't get to ramp up? Uh, and what, what if that backfires? I don't know. There's always these, these situations that you know, it could come up in the Western Conference. But, I mean, look out in the East, and it's like it became – such a just a slog fest it's so it, it's really become disappointing from an early start where you know I, I thought there was some promise to some of the roster makeups in the east that it would be more competitive but i mean maybe this is this is honestly the same old story the past few seasons like the east has some changes and their teams show some promise and you're like wow all right maybe the east is really really pushing to be uh on par with the west maybe they might even be have more talent than the west and then here we are halfway through the season and it's just, um, I mean, the, the Hawks, Celtics, Pacers, Bulls, Raptors, Wizards, like who, who take your pick. I mean, the, the Knicks are going to be in that too. They, I mean, the heat haven't even really showed anything. The facts that the Hornets are still at, at fourth in the standings is actually mind blowing to me. Like no one has been able, none of these teams, especially the Pacers who we talked about earlier in the season as really having this chance to, to redefine themselves beyond their solid selves they're ninth right now <laughs> so it's just a, it's such a weird period of the season where no one's getting any real traction in the eastern conference yeah it's it's that's just the same old story like you said i mean they 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 try to tempt you in by, by making themselves look like they're getting better when in reality it was uh it was actually just the nets that got better everyone else kind of stayed the same <laughs> Can we talk about the buyout bio market then? I, I'm okay, so okay, I'm on. so sorry because the Nets. So the Nets, as as it's well documented on the news, they got Marcus Aldridge, they've got Blake Griffin in the buyout market. So they essentially get two, not too far removed, 2019 All Stars for jack shit for nothing. Are the Spurs really? really going to be in pain to not have the Marcus Aldridge right now? Maybe not. You know, it's, it's not. Gor- Gorgie Deng pretty much replaces a lot of uh, Aldridge's value to them. So maybe, maybe not. But the, the, the fact that that the Nets can just attract talent for absolutely nothing in this NBA market where Pete, where teams are trying so hard to catch up to these super teams, it's, I don't know, it's, it's absurd for the, the type of parity that we're trying to have in the league. It, it's I don't understand how we keep letting it happen. Yeah, I think, yeah, it, it's it's a weird one. And it's kind of always the same way. Like I was saying to you before that I feel like I'm only noticing it more so this year, even though it's been happening very evidently for the, la- for the last three, three, four seasons. But I think this year you kind of notice it more because you really see it with, the, with obviously with Gr- Griffin and Aldridge uh, heading to Brooklyn and then uh, Drummond going to the Lakers and now there's talk of cousins as well that's going to go to uh to the Clippers which is kind of another similar sort of thing <laughs> yeah but yeah it is mad but it was funny with with Drummond they really summed up the Lakers uh Lakers season he played his first game <laughs> and he gets injured in his first game and that really really added up brought it all together for for LA this season 
it was the thought in LA was, you know, Drummond's not going to be a major, major contributor on the floor to them winning a championship. He was going to be this piece that added to it. But in the interim, before until Davis and LeBron come back, you know, he's he's gonna be there to to keep us afloat. And then immediately that's that's all a wash. But I mean good. That's that's exactly what they deserved for <laughs> for this crappy buyout market. And you know, we can talk about Griffin and Aldridge, you know, argue about, you know, they're older players. They wouldn't have contributed much to their old team. Clearly the trade market didn't really work out for those teams to make a deal. But you know, the the argument stands that the fact that they were impending buyout candidates, that they were identified as those type of guys, like completely tanked their trade value. No one's going to trade anything for these players in a system where, you know, it's it's just encouraged for these players to leave. And it's just okay. Like, I don't know, like, it, I feel like it should at least be like some second round compensation, anything but just these teams just lose them for nothing. But Drummond, on the other hand, I mean, he's definitely a player of value. He's only 28. Yeah. I mean, for him to, to a young player who's still in his prime, player who in the right situation is a dominant rebounder, an active defender. I mean, I think his, his defense is a little bit oversold these days. But, I mean, for that to be added to the Lakers at this stage, um, instead of maybe the Celtics, who I think, you know, the Celtics – I don't know what they were doing. I mean, they, they could have offered something. I think the, the Cavs would have done anything. Um, but maybe, maybe it's, it's honestly probably the contract. But for, for it just to be completely, once they go into the buyout market that no one can bid and the, and the player just gets to choose, that, that, I don't know, it just seems problematic. It seems a bit problematic. Yeah, I think they got to be able to bring something in where – a certain amount of teams can put forward an offer or something like that. I don't really know what way exactly they can do to really make it fair, but it, it's definitely an issue that they need to try and sort out because it is, I mean, especially you see it with the way Brooklyn have kind of beefed up their, their team, not, not that they needed any beefing with the way that they're, they're currently standing. But I mean, like you look what they, they got out of that now. And I mean, you're thinking, Aldridge obviously made his debut last night in that blowout win. He looked comfortable, and you just think of the impact he's going to have when the team are at full strength. I mean, I'm picturing Irving Harden, probably Green, Durant, and then maybe Aldridge at the center spot. And then you got Blake Griffin, Joe Harris, and the likes coming off the bench. I mean, with Lamarcus Aldridge as your fourth option in terms of scoring as your starter, I mean, yeah, that's that's a. I think you're in a pretty, that's pretty nice. good spot there. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't need to be a twenty and ten guy, and, and and I mean he had a real nice nice debut, I, I think, um, for the Nets and for for the Nets now to have this versatility where Lamarcus Aldridge can go out there as a stretch big, um, and I mean for all things considered, Kevin Durant's going to play some minutes at the four and and five um, to have two guys like that. And then they have the switchability of guys like Claxton, Bruce Brown. Um, and I mean, Blake Griffin's going to have a role to play on this team too. I mean, th- these guys are not, I think everyone's having the wrong quantity of freak out. The freak out should be there. Maybe we should be freaking out. Okay. These aren't all, all quote unquote, all stars. I mean, the, they're not the same level of player they were a couple of years ago. I and mean, Griffin has dramatically fallen off. I mean, we're clapping about him dunking here. Let's be, let's be real. <laughs> but, but the, but the fact is, I mean, these are, you know, above average players and for, for a team teams that usually are adding, you know, minimum players 
to taking shots at, at young guys. I mean, that, that's usually the beauty of, of some of these, especially like the team, teams like uh, the Houston Rockets, like coming up with guys like Daniel House, like scraping and scouting and really trying to give young guys like that a chance. Like that's, that's one way that contenders really figure it out. But for them to get these guys for free, it's, it's, it's insane. And in a way, it, almost, it, it really plays into this narrative that I kind of am rooting for LeBron a little bit in this situation if he if he gets there uh, yeah i mean you, you have to i think uh, the way it's gone i think when it was just when it was just Harden, Kyrie, and durant you were still kind of thinking yeah it'd be pretty cool to see this team go all the way but the way it's kind of played out since then now you're kind of like yeah these guys are dicks i kind of want to see them lose now <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of the way it, it's uh it's slowly uh transitioned but i mean we always hate to, to we we love that we love to hate these sort of teams when they're built the way that that Brooklyn have built up this uh, this current squad that they have. But I mean, hey, they they still have to be healthy. I think one thing you kind of notice that people are kind of freaking out about the team, but I think another big issue that they have is the fact that the team has yet to play together as a team. I mean, all the different uh, starting lineups they've had, the injuries. Now Harden's out with a bit of with a ha- bit of hamstring tightness. I mean, like that he could come back too early from that, and he could pull a hamstring. That that's there's there's issues there, and it, and it, it could have an effect come playoff time if they're only really getting together around then. That we could see a, a big problem there. Yeah, it's it's funny that that has been painted in a way where oh my god, they've only played together seven times and they're this good. Mm-hmm. Well, I that's I think you know you're absolutely right. That's definitely an issue in terms of how they can play together in a playoff series if they've only played together seven seven times. I mean, can can they develop like they they've been talking about? Can can Steve Nash, a coach who's never coached at any level, all these young guys who haven't been together, um, this collection of of stars, can do the Nets have the ability to develop this this championship mentality, this championship culture overnight? Um, I, I, I'm not, I, I'd be surprised, honestly, because when I looked at this, we talked about this earlier this year, like who, who's their leader? Who is this a leadership by committee? Is, is this just a, a group of, of veterans now who are here to win a championship? Um, maybe that's, that's just what ends up working out because they got a couple more adults in the room. All, all the kids have been sent off. Mm-hmm. Um, and this tweet just came out from, uh, from Woj, and I, and I think this is just interesting. Um, I don't know if you saw the whole exchange between Kevin Durant and uh, Michael Rappaport. I heard about. It. I did not actually. I did not actually look into it. I just oh well, good. It's just it's actually. it's pure garbage. You, you don't you don't even need to to look at it. I mean, basically, uh, Charles Barkley's questions to Kevin Durant, he took issue with, and big surprise. T- TNT crew coming up with questions that players don't like um <laughs> and michael Rappaport uh tweeted out essentially like he's he looks soft he's about to cry and then you know kd he's not afraid to jump on social media and, and say anything um so i'm realizing now like Rappaport definitely released all the screenshots he was the one who who sent them out and this got posted everywhere and, and, and kd was saying some some 
like threatening stuff to to rap for, but obviously just in, in talking smack. But he just got fined fifty thousand dollars for that exchange, and it's it's just so funny that the double standard we, we put on athletes. I, I'm just thinking about it. Like like Rappaport can say whatever he wants to him over in DMs, and like what's gonna happen? Nothing. Like we we just accept that he's a jerk, and then KD gets to get fined for for his private exchanges on the internet. It's just it's. It's funny. Sorry, that was, that was one, a segue. One, yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing I'll say is I'm sure KD is happy to pay that fine, but and I think he's probably yeah. happy to see people uh, seeing him uh, kind of uh, stand, stand his ground and kind of get 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 his own on that one. One other one thing I will say about a guy who's after getting a contract today is uh, Isaiah Thomas. He signed a 10-day deal with the Pelicans. I didn't even I, see that. Yeah, I would love to. He's making his debut Sunday, I think. And I'd love to see him be able to make an impact where maybe the Pelicans were willing to sign him for the rest of the year or, or another team liked what they saw and they could get him in. Uh, they wanted to get him in for, for the rest of the season, I think. I wish that guy had never got kicked out of Boston. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a weird fit for me. I mean, of all the teams that I could think of that would, would sign him. Um, I guess they just needed a guard with Lonzo struggling a bit with the injuries. I guess that was part of their thing. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I if we're talking Pelicans, I mean, Nikhil Alexander Walker averaging almost seven, 18 points, um, I think over five, uh, averaging almost five rebounds, almost five. I mean, he's looking good in in Lonzo's absence. I mean, it's a short stretch, but I mean, for a young guy um, that you see as as this bench scorer, bench playmaker. Um, I don't know if you want to take take away from that. I mean, you got Kira Lewis to develop. I mean, they're already thinking of getting rid of Lonzo mm. to, to make space for Kira. So I, I don't of all the teams that that IT could have signed with, that that is almost like a shaky situation where I, I don't I don't know where he's gonna get his time there. That's only a 10-day deal. We'll see, we'll see, yeah. we'll see what happens. But uh Obviously, speaking of the Pels, just the last bit on them. Now that that game they had last night, it went to went to overtime with the Magic, and that was that was the definition of the B team out in force for both sides. I mean, obviously the, the Magic are kind of completely uh, completely gone to the to to the nobodies now. And then last night the the Pels didn't have Zion, they didn't have Ingram, hey. they didn't have Lonzo. I mean, <laughs> and it was still, hey, still the, a great game. <laughs> the, there ain't nobodies out there, man. Wendell Carter Jr. My boy out of Chicago, he's starting to to show some of his stuff there. I, I think in in Orlando, he's gonna really he's gonna really thrive. I mean, he, he played real well, and I, he's I'm excited for him to grow there. I'm I'm not he he ain't no nobody. <laughs> well. Yeah, you. You listened this far, whether you fell asleep, left your phone in the room, or maybe you liked what you heard. So please don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can get our content every week. In the Christmas spirit, we are doing a special giveaway for our day one listeners, and all you have to do is be subscribed to the pod, follow us on Twitter at CoastNBA, and Instagram at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast for a chance to win. Now, back to the pod.
sad note for for Evan Fournier. Unfortunately, we have to we have to talk about his debut for the Celtics. I think uh, that really that really fit in with the way the Celtics are going right now. He makes his debut off the bench and he goes oh a ten and they lose. I he's the fourth player in shot clock in the shot clock era to go over ten in their debut. Um, so it it was really a historic uh, slump in his debut for the Celtics, but like we'll put this asterisk on every player so you won't waste breath saying it over and over again but like it will take time for any of these players to adjust so i mean let's just get right to the immediate reactions and negativity because that's just what we do but (laughs) but to be real for for the celtics um it, it hurts that much more because we said it last time he was their really third option and what we've seen over these past couple of months is they can't stop the opposing star. I mean, in any star that they face has no trouble any of scoring on them, and which really bothers my mind when they have you know a slew of, of competent defenders. I mean, you can you can rely on guys like Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown, um, but I mean Marcus Smart just didn't get it done, and they didn't have another guy to to answer against Doncic. And you know who would have? I think Aaron Gordon would have looked pretty good switching on to Luka Doncic. Mm you know would have really helped their their trouble getting in the paint and scoring inside instead of just taking a lot of jumpers. I think Vucevic would have looked pretty good down there. I mean, missing out on those two guys um, in Orlando and landing with, with Fournier, who's going to be a fine player for them. I mean, he's going to provide um, dynamic scoring and playmaking off the bench, but missing out on those two impactful players and what they're missing – uh, that's going to hurt every night. And that's that's going to be a burden that Fournier doesn't deserve mm. to have on his back, but it's going to be there. He's always going to be the guy who is their third choice. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I will say about the, the Celtics defense uh, on Doncic, in fairness to them, for a lot of those shots that he made, they actually <laughs> extremely well. It was just better. <laughs> there was just, some of the step backs were so heavily contested and how they went in, only only Luka Doncic knows, but uh, yeah, I think the Celtics, they have been a team that have, they haven't been built on defense, but they're always a team that you expect to, to be able to withstand uh, like star players coming at them in the past couple of seasons when they've seen success. But yeah, this season it's, it's been, it's been a struggle for them and they, uh, they should have done something to try to rectify that, but obviously they, they couldn't, uh, Danny Ainge couldn't get the deals done. Yeah, I mean, a big difference between Kemba's hand and Doncic's face and Aaron Gordon's hand. It's a big difference between Marcus Smart's hand and Aaron Gordon's hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just ha- if that's what they that's what they need really, and I and I think I've that's been my biggest um, note whenever I watch them that they just really need a guy who's elite defensively but can defend multiple positions I, I feel like that that's been an issue for them is having a switchable defender and Grant Williams was a fun little experiment in the playoffs last year and, and he showed some flashes of that but you know he's he's just he just doesn't have the physical tools to do that um, but uh, I mean that that's basically all we have to say for Fournier so far uh, <laughs> and we'll we'll get more into the Celtics maybe a little later but um, another guard who is on the move, um, if we want to move away from the, the magic fire sale, I have to procrastinate as much as possible talking about Vucevic and, and the Bulls. <laughs> uh, but Victor Oladipo, man, he's probably said the last time, but he's just 
the perfect Miami Heat type, like two way player. I mean, his his defensive possessions against Steph Curry last night were just a testament to the type of guy that they would love to have. Him and Jimmy Butler are going to be a force in the playoffs, and and now that they have that tandem defensively, I. I'll, I, they have a team that can go to war with any, with any in this, in this conference, in this league. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's kind of the, that's always been the way you know, over the last couple of years in Miami that they, they, they're the bit team built on the, on quality defense. And then they just have these sort of guys, they're not going to go off every night for 30 points, but on any given night, if these guys get in, they have those couple of guys. If they get in the zone, they're going to be uh, almost unstoppable. That's what Jimmy Butler's like. That's what Bam can be like. Tyler Hero similar. I mean, he hasn't got the defensive ability of, of a Bam or a Jimmy Butler, but he can go off on the offensive end to get crucial scoring from guys like Duncan Robinson, Dragic off the bench. And to add Victor Oladipo to that, I think now we're, I feel like we're already kind of saying, right, the heat are kind of back now to what they were last year and let's let, let let's see let's see the success again yeah I, i'm i'm excited for it i i'm excited like another just another play from last night i, I loved that their performance with with uh, the warriors um but watching oladipo also play with with bam like that chemistry's already there i mean he he loved it just perfectly at the rim for for bam and for him to be to be an off guard playmaker with another off ball playmaker and, and bam and for jimmy to be playing the point so often and then you got shooters like duncan robinson like there's a lot of things that they can do um in the playoffs uh, i mean spolstra is going to have a full full uh, arsenal to throw at any team and you know what watch out for the heat um that Again, they they last year they were you know a big surprise disappointment this year. A lot of issues with COVID have led to them sinking into the rut that they've been in. But you know they have all the pieces that they need to make a deep playoff run here. And <laughs> and I, I really wonder what it's going to look like if we get another Bucks uh, Heat matchup in the playoffs. That's that's going to be quite quite the matchup quite a lot of pressure for for Giannis and the Bucks if that ends up happening again yeah I think we're, we're heading towards that and that's I mean that could even happen in, in in the first round the way the way things are going that's that, that that's how that we could end up seeing a matchup like that I think that's kind of the cool thing about the Eastern Conference I think there's going to be some big matchups all the way all the way through really I think if we're Miami likely to end up in the fifth or sixth spot, maybe even at the moment, it's very probable. So I think uh, if if you were to see uh, an early matchup between maybe like Philly and Miami or or uh, Brooklyn and Miami or, or anything like that, I think that that would be it'd be a huge test for these teams that are, are, are saying we want to be the Eastern Conference champs this year to come up against a team team like the Heat early on. This is super off topic, but it just got me thinking, you know, the, the Giannis uh, rumors of leaving uh, Milwaukee have all but faded into a distant memory, even though it was just a few months ago. But what would it take for Giannis to really think twice about his decision and, and pull one of these superstar, I want to I want to leave type things? Uh, and is the answer to that potentially losing back to back, getting swept in back to back years? To the same team. That would, that would, uh, that would, that would uh, he'd be making some demands. I, I can't imagine he, if he, if he really wants to be a winner, he'd be straight into the, uh, 
to the front of us and uh, making making some uh, big demands and uh, maybe that be a change of coach maybe that they got to work like unfortunately for Milwaukee they're in a real tough spot they they cannot make any moves so if it goes bad this year I think they're kind of just stuck this is almost kind of like the third test for Giannis I mean this is be obviously he had the two years of back-to-back MVPs and didn't get past the what did they they made the finals 2019 did they yeah yeah and then obviously last year they lost to went down went down to to Miami and then this year if they go out early again I mean it's it's going to be tough for them and I don't see how Giannis can feel confident in them continuing because I mean he's having these years at the very top and like Middleton is another guy. He's the other star. He's he's in his prime, and the guys around them are kind of. There's a few vets, a few young guys. So, and they don't really have any capital or any obvious ways that they can improve. Mm, exactly. The team. So exactly. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough blow to to Giannis's future if if the if the Bucks can't find a way to to um to make that extra step in the playoffs yeah. this year. Yeah, and when you said five, you meant the Eastern Conference Finals, of course. Yes, um, yes, yes in twenty nineteen. Um, but yeah, like to, for, he just needs to, and that, that's a whole other rabbit hole. But j- just just a a quick little uh, piece of of nightmare fuel for the Bucks organization if if the Miami Heat end up on their uh, their their playoff racket there. Um, who, who else? Okay, fine. Well, let's. All right, we'll we'll talk about it. Fine. <laughs> Listen, I I told you that was that was my that was my warning last last week. I was still drunk off of those trades. <laughs> I was still drunk. I I think I I went as far to say the Bulls have a legitimate chance of being the third best team in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> I I'll 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 say I'll say this. This is my sobered answer. Um, Again, every team's going to have a huge adjustment period. And for the Bulls in particular, um, Levine's not all the way healthy. He needs to rest. Kobe White's been hurt. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, to to blame all this on injuries, but it's it's clear that, you know, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time. I mean, I've seen flashes of the greatness that can come between that two-man game between Vucevic and Levine. Um, but it's not going to happen right away. And um, I think I'm not worried about how this team is, is going to be in the long term. And I'm, I'm not necessarily worried about, uh, you know, maybe getting a playoff spot. But the big worry is if on the other end of that, if you don't make the playoffs here and you lose your first round pick, boy, that's tough. That's tough. Um, and if, if, <laughs> if Wendell Carter Jr. keeps uh, pouring in these performances with, with the Magic and you lose your pick, that, that's going to be extra tough. So you really hope that you can make a late surge here, and it's going to be difficult. The, the, final, the final few games that you have um, this season are going to be tough. We, have, we faced um, the Warriors already, the, the Suns, um, and facing the Jazz – not going to be an easy task to, to get some wins here against seriously competitive teams. Yeah, I think uh, of course it, it's a boost for them knowing that they they have they can they just have to finish in the top ten to have a shot at the playoffs. That that would definitely be a comfort for them. Of course, spread it out. Gone zero three since they made the deal to bring Vucevic in. 
we always knew in this sort of situation that it was going to take some time to really to really start seeing him in, integrated into the team. The biggest positive you can say is that Vucevic, in the three games he's played, he's still averaging 22 and 10. He's picked up right where he left off in Orlando. And that's a real positive. And I think as we move towards the end of the season, we'll see that start to impact the team in a more positive way and start to impact wins. I think the biggest worry you have when a guy moves to a new place is that it affects their their performance. And that, that's not happening with Vucevic, which is, it, yeah. it is a big thing. Yeah, I feel like the the adjustments, the adjustment for them specifically is going to be, um, I mean, he's going to get his own. I think Billy Donovan's going to have to figure out how how he he sets up the players around him because um, some of the lineups have just been a little a little questionable. And Billy Donovan's so notorious for for trying out lineups all the time, um, and you know he had the luxury of of doing that in OKC where he had a lot of, of young guys, and you know making the playoffs was barely an expectation when they did last year. Um, but for, for this team, that's going to really need to be ironed out. Cause a lot of times it's just forcing, forcing the ball in the paint. And it almost feels like now that Thad Young isn't necessarily going to be that focal playmaker, uh, besides Levine, it's not going to be Vooch. It, it seems like his, his role is going to need to be defined too. So these are things that are, are growing pains for a team that I do believe is going to be really good. And, um, yeah, I, I'm not, I haven't thrown away my soapbox. I haven't even put my soapbox away. I might step on it later, but I've been really encouraged by um, by how Patrick Williams has played and his, his presence around Vucevic. I think that pairing them and, and Levine, that, that's really the point of excitement for me. So that's enough for me to be okay with losing Wendell, be okay with losing the first round pick. So I'm not fully, fully out on it. I'm not out on it at all, but I'm still a little depressed that this is the first. This is the first few results we get after how crazy I went last week. Well, that, that, that Patrick Williams, he had that impressive block on uh, on Aiton uh, against the block Suns. of the year. But then he got he, he got a he got a bit a uh, bit done in by having to to try and guard uh, Devin Booker for for large periods of the game. I I loved that. I think I think that Billy Donovan did that too to give him more experience. I think we knew that we weren't going to necessarily come away with a win that game. I think we wanted to try that lineup. I mean, having him at the two, Patrick Williams at the two, who really his best position is at the four, um, is just really testing his ability to defend every position. Um, did Devin Booker go off? Yes. But to, to see Patrick Williams compete in those situations and give Devin Booker trouble here and there, um, you know, it, it wasn't a matchup necessarily that I, when you look at a long-term thing I'm upset about, but, but the losses, they, they're, they're, they need to stop piling up because it's, it's not, a, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that I'd be fully surprised if the wizards push into the, the playing tournament right now. And if someone's going to go, you know, every team's got their own argument, but I mean, the bulls, Bulls don't have any stronger an argument than than the Celtics do, than the than the Raptors do, than the Pacers do. So it's it's time to really kick it into gear once we get over this uh, road road loss hump here. Absolutely, and and then we're moving on to the, to the final piece of the of the of the former Magic players, uh, Aaron Gordon. He has just fit right in in Denver. Played three, they've won all three. He's been efficient in every game, and he's just slipped right into that Denver team. And and, and without 
without really being noticed. And that's that's actually such a usually you wouldn't think it's such a positive thing, but that's actually so great for the Denver team that that's how it's worked out so far. Yeah, I mean, a worry was right that does Aaron Gordon does he want to to dominate? Does he does he want to be have have the ball in his hands? Does does he want to have the ball late in games? And his attitude early on has been very encouraging that he's going to be a serious addition to the type of team that the Nuggets have. Um, you know, that it's a team built around players that are willing to, to sacrifice to, to Jokic. I mean, Jokic is a, is a willing, willing playmaker and for him to fit right into that and for him to lock up guys like John Collins, even Trey Young, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris just speaks to his defensive versatility and I think that's that's something that has gone super underrated in uh, Orlando and now that he has a chance to do it in Denver you know this isn't a big market but the the Denver Nuggets are a serious contending team he's gonna really I think get a lot more media attention about how elite he is on the defensive end Um, I mean offensively I mean he's he's gonna fit perfectly there another another lob threat a willing passer Um, I'd, I'd be interested to see how his shooting looks in, in this system after a few more games. Um, but I mean, for the Nuggets, he's, he's a really important, not just short-term addition for their run here, but addition for a long-term solution for Paul Millsap. I mean, he's, he's really kind of on the tail end of his run here. Um, but I want to ask you, you know, he's a great fit for the Nuggets, right? Is it possible he's even a better fit than Jeremy Grant was? Now, we've been high on Jeremy Grant, basically more so just saying what the hell were the Nuggets thinking and letting them mm-hmm. go. And they didn't have a choice. Yeah. Uh, early, early, early doors, it, it looks like they've got, they filled that hole, if not upgraded. That's, that's how it looks. But again, early doors, we won't really be able to make that call until uh, until until we, we see, see the impact uh, come playoff time. Yeah, they're, but man, they're, they're happy that that's even a question that they could be asking. Um, and we, we moved on too quick from the Bulls. I'll, I'll just make a quick shout out. Man, Daniel Tice, I love this guy. I absolutely love him. Another low-key move uh, there, the Celtics acquiring uh, Luke Cornett and Mo Wagner, who have just been terrific additions to their uh, lackluster front court uh, <laughs> rotation. So no, no changes there. But Tice on the Bulls, man, this guy's such a tough tough defender such a like really impressive shot blocker for his size i mean he looks like he's a seven foot three out there the way that he defends guys um but yeah sorry i, I just couldn't i couldn't let us go without uh giving giving tice a shout out this guy has really impressed me yeah that's highlight that highlights again the weirdness of, of, of the celtics moves i mean what what was the real benefit of giving up tice i i don't ducking the cap ducking because of they got they had to get rid of uh they had to get rid of him to add Fournier so that they weren't over the apron they didn't want to pay any any tax penalties so in order to avoid the tax penalties and for in a statement that that they made Ainge was saying oh there's no pressure to do blah 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 they they made yet you're right made another move that made them worse instead of keeping tights and paying paying the tax but uh, enough I've, I've i've had enough of uh celtics dysfunction how, how about what, what what have you thought about uh uh gary trent jr and norm powell already making some uh some solid contributions gary trent jr dropping 30 plus points for the raptors um 
got to be nice for a young guy that they added thinking to build long-term with already producing like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think he, uh, he struggled a bit when he, uh, when he went up against, uh, against Portland. Uh, but yeah, I think he's got to be happy with the start that he's been able to make. I think I, I'm not too sure how he would have felt about, about the, the, the Blazers trading them. I think, you hope he can be positive about it. Still a young guy in the early stages of his career. And Toronto is definitely a place where there ain't going to be too much of a spotlight on him and he can really begin to show his 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 best self as an NBA player. And early days, it, it's looking good for him. And you hope that's, that's the way that it can continue. Yeah. And, and on the flip side, Norman Powell on the Blazers, I, I'm, I'm really looking at at the Blazers as a team that's they're going to they're going to upset somebody I'm not I'm not sure who they're going to end up facing obviously we don't know until the end of the season with this the seeding comes out but they're fully invested in this dynamic guard uh, these dynamic guard lineups now it's not just worrying about Damon CJ Norman Powell is a legitimate scorer and you know it doesn't have to be Damon CJ all night. And I mean, Dame said it himself; he hasn't had another player on the floor who often can can play on ball. Um, so for Dorman Powell to be the guy off the bench, I mean, Gary Trent Jr., great great shooter. I mean, he's showing flashes of, of being a better um, player with the ball in his hands. But I mean, Norman Powell right now is a guy that's going to give them a a puncher's chance at upsetting. The Clippers. I mean, they. I'll definitely give them uh, equal chance at beating either the Suns or Jazz with the way that Dame has been playing, with the way that CJ is coming back and playing his same form from the early season, and now having Norman Powell. Um, they're they're gonna Nurkic too. I mean, Nurkic coming back healthy. They they have they have a chance. That this isn't that cute Trailblazers team that you know they have a good regular season. Dame's the underdog. Like they've got some serious scoring firepower, um, and with if Nurkic is healthy, that's something to be scared about. Yeah, absolutely. I think you, you've seen. Obviously, they're just kind of easing him back in. He's obviously not at uh, not at a hundred percent yet, but there's still a long way to go in the regular season. We know they're going to be in the playoffs, and once he is hundred percent come playoff time, it's going to be huge for them. But speaking on 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 Norman Pell, obviously had that had a great debut. He dropped twenty two at a block and a steal, and He's staying as hot as ever from from the three point land. He went five of seven on, on his debut. He's he's managed double digits in the his first three games for the team. And again, he's contributing to winning because they've won all three games since since he's joined. I think he's he's fitting in really well, and he and he's given them something that 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 didn't have before. So that was obviously there wasn't too much of a market for the Blazers to make a move. But it looks as though they spotted the one little link that a lot of teams are being linked with, and they went they went about being aggressive and making sure that they that they got them. Absolutely, I'm going to say that that might be like low key. You know what? One of the when when we look back on it, one of the better trades out of out of this out of this group here. I that this and Aaron Gordon, um, but. I'm really. I'm more. I think about it, man. The more excited I, I get to to think about the Blazers having a, a chance to make a, a deep run here. Um, do we miss anybody here? 
I think everyone got their their fair. Yeah, no one else fair has, has played really. I don't think obviously Lou Will had 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 few had some minutes there last night. Didn't do, didn't really do anything. Rondo hasn't played yet. I don't think Hills played yet for Philly. So yeah, a few of the guys just have, haven't got a chance to get out on the court really yet and and have, have an impact. Poor Terrence Ferguson. The the biggest trade of of the deadline didn't even get a chance to to star in the Knicks. Oh man, we don't need to talk about that. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm pissed off with RJ Barrett. You'll be delighted to hear RJ Barrett really, really pissed me off on. on uh, oh, finally! That's the uh, first time we had all that. this pent up. I, I know it was a lot of a lot of pent up frustration. You were being too polite, <laughs> telling me, "Oh, just wait and see, wait and see, wait and see." I mean, for for the great season that RJ Barrett's had, uh, I've, I've said it time and time again, and and you would just rebuff me and tell me, "Let's wait, let's wait, let's wait." Sure, let's wait. But right now, man, RJ Barrett is a problem when it comes to to shooting he's a guy that you know you can rely on him for basically i mean i'm happy to let him be the the rebounding slashing playmaking guard that he is now but when he's in positions where you have to rely on him to be a shooter it's tough yeah i think obviously wednesday night against against the timberwolves i thought it was there was just kind of the modern nature of a player about him he got the ball. We at the time out. We went down. I think about thirty-five left. We were down by a point after Beasley hit that three. Went into a timeout, and out of the timeout, they worked the play and got the ball into Barrett's hands. And he he went to drive at the basket and just got stripped. And it just seemed like he was like, okay, it'd be co- kind of cool if I made this shot, but at the same time, if it doesn't happen, I don't I don't really care too much. That was just that was, <laughs> that was the way that it seemed. Obviously, and then he got lucky. It was just a scramble then at the end, and the Knicks managed to get another shot, and then he's shooting the last shot again. Obviously, he had cat in his face, so I won't, I won't criticize him too much for that, for for missing that shot. But that that play when they worked it to him, he just didn't have enough aggression and enough guile about him to to be able to make the move. I think obviously they knew they were gonna that Randall. They thought Randall was gonna be the guy. Honestly, in that sort of situation, I would have rather seen quickly get the ball. And just let him let him take a shot. <laughs> that that's kind of how how it was. You you and quickly. That's the the match in heaven. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but what a what what a game for for the Knicks to to lose against the Timberwolves. Honestly, I think a worse loss for the Timberwolves to be beating the Knicks, <laughs> a, a team they really probably would prefer to lose against at this at this point in time of the season. How about Anthony Edwards saying uh, that that was. That was the shot they wanted. They they wanted RJ Barrett to be taking that shot, and that says everything you need to to know about uh, RJ as a liability as a shooter. Absolutely, um, he's got to hear that. He's got to hear that and, and work his ass off to become a better shooter. That's that's all I'll say when he when he, when he hears something like that. Yeah, of course, you guys beat the Bucks just a few days before, and then can't pull one out against the the Timberwolves. Now we pulled it out. We just blew it because I mean. We first we had an eighteen point lead, blew that. Then we had a nice eleven point lead heading into the fourth. Then we blew that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll be back for for some more for some more misery. I, I suspect that there. I, I I'm not sure how how are you feeling about the the end of this season for the Knicks? Is it gonna be as rosy as the beginning? Yeah, if we if we can keep it up on the defensive end, I think it it, it won't go too too drastically bad 
I think Randall's likely to looking like he's he, he's willing to stay hot for the uh, for the whole season. And the big thing is we're we're, we're solid. We're more than a solid defensive team. We're, the guys have come in and committed to to Tibbs. So if they can keep that that platform, they'll they'll still be able to stay in games and, and pick up wins. So maybe not as rosy, but only because we're kind of expecting more after the after the rosy start that we had. Yeah. All right. You're, you're still singing the tune and I, I trust you a little bit more than I did a couple months ago. So <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to see it. But all right, man, I, I think we, we covered our, our week evaluate early evaluation of these guys. We celebrated Luka Doncic um, over the next couple of weeks. It's really going to start to pick up um, seating wise, um, man. I really, I really hope uh, I don't, I don't get murdered too much for, for how the bulls are going to look against the jazz. I, Hopefully, hopefully that that will be something that slips under the radar. We won't have to talk about it too much. But I think that's about it for this episode, man. We've covered a lot here. I think so. I mean, uh, let's just hope. Let's just hope Levine gets healthy and gets back in the game. We can't. Cri- I can't criticize the Bulls too much for losing when they don't have Levine. But when Levine's in the team and they're still losing, I'm gonna heep all that shit on you. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Fingers crossed. All right, man. You take care. on today's episode of coast to coast don't forget to hit us up on instagram and twitter at coast to coast nba podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show and remember take every shot and love every moment